Boy, Christmas can be um, received with either highs or sighs, and I don't know where you are. You know, you either look forward to it, you're in the you're in the festiveness of the season right now, you're enjoying it, you see time off in the future, you see family coming in, you see food, you see all of that stuff that makes up uh, the Christmas traditions, or you're at that point now where you're sighing over it. You're at that point now where it's like, when's it going to be over? Can we quickly get through this season? This season is a hard season for me because of a loss or for whatever reason. You know, you've still got Christmas shopping to do. I don't know. That's a sigh for you. In fact, if you're finished Christmas shopping, raise your hand. All right. A lot of you, but there's a lot of you that aren't. All right. So uh, get on it. It creates this anxiety about Christmas. Christmas can be fun, and Christmas can be quite draining. In Austria, interesting uh, there that the retailers in the in the store actually in a in a union Austria's union of private employees began to complain about all the jingle all the way that it was causing them jangle of the brain I mean they were just tired of hearing all of the music piped through the systems and so they began to complain and this is the complaint that they registered they believed that it created psychoterrorism that it was making the workers aggressive and often creating an allergy to Christmas music. Now, I don't know if you work in retail, but you're probably at that stage, that you're allergic to Christmas and you feel like this is psychoterrorism to you to hear it all the time. But, you know, when you come back to it and you simplify it and you bring it back away, we do make a lot of it. We do make a lot in it. We do make a lot of it in this whole time of the year. And this was an old statistic. I don't even know where it is today, but Americans will spend somewhere between uh, over $220 billion this Christmas season. That was, in, that was in 2004, so I'm sure it's way above that now. 400 million pounds of wrapping paper will be thrown away this Christmas season. Every year it's thrown away. 20,000 Salvation Army kettles will be out on the streets this Christmas season. It's a busy, busy, crazy season that we come upon. In fact, another, another study was done and published in the USA Today talking about what people... What people give up at Christmas time. What people put aside and neglect at Christmas time. And there were three things that they listed as the top uh, most neglected items. First of all, it is housework. They just somehow, all the gifts, all the festiveness of everything kind of becomes the focus and housework kind of becomes second fiddle. The, the second thing that becomes most neglected is exercise. We start eating more, we exercise less, we take a holiday from the gym, holiday from working out, and we think that that's somehow we're going to make it up in the new year, exercising. But this is probably, for me, one of the ones I want to really focus on today, and that's time for themselves. In the midst of the busy Christmas season, somehow we've lost time for ourselves. We do focus on the family, and we do focus on family coming in. We do focus on family traditions, and I'm not trying to create some kind of self-centered Christmas here. It's already there enough. But what I do want to emphasize today is not so much the self-centered Christmas time for myself, but more of the time for myself where I can stop in this crazy world, stop in the mayhem and the madness, and stop in all of this and somehow center myself. Somehow focus myself, somehow realign myself to where it is not a fast and furious holiday that we're quickly able to put back in the attic as soon as we possibly can. 
or we're ready to get rid of the, the seconds and the third helpings of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the leftovers and the leftovers of the leftovers. But it's one of those things that we really want to hopefully take time, take time in this season when you'll have some time off. I dare say many of you will have a couple of days, if not more than that, that you'll be able to take off. And I know sometimes in those times we cram in so much, but I want to encourage you today. Let it be the theme of the message today to just take time a little bit just to get quiet, to get still, and to reflect, and to realign, and to refocus your life. Focusing on something is just as important as having that time alone and clearing the mind and have, putting the right things in the mind is, is just as important as clearing the mind. You've got to have the right stuff in the mind. And so what are you going to do in this in this time off, in this in these hours that you might have, or days if you're if you're blessed with that, what are you going to do in those times that you can take time for yourself to hopefully get yourself, keep yourself on the right track? We find in the book of John, John uh, chapter one, where we'll be today. It's probably, if not my favorite passage of scripture, it has got to be in the top two or three. It is the it is the passage of scripture that I that I come back to, that I memorize, that I. That I, that I absolutely love because I think it really brings me back to the very essence of Christ. And when you come to the, when you come to Christ in the manger or Christ at Christmas, you really got to come back and rediscover and revisit the essence of who He is. And understanding who He is, I think, is really what I would encourage you to do in this Christmas season if you had a few moments, if you had a few days, if you had a few hours to just kind of get alone and get still and get quiet. I would want you to just really think about who Christ is. Because there's a whole lot of confusion about who He is. John MacArthur said in his book, God With Us, he said, The world is happy to let Jesus Christ be a baby in a manger, but not willing to let Him be the sovereign King, the Lord that He is. Yet that is the central truth of the Christmas story. The child of Christmas is God. It's God. He is God. And that's where we come back to. And we've really got to get into that. And we've really got to wrap our minds around that. And we've really got to clear out the clutter so we can wrap our minds around that. And understanding the full ramifications of that. It's not the turkey, the tinsel, the trees, the trimmings. It's not all of those things that make up Christmas. It's really coming back to Christ and understanding who He is in His fullness, in His completeness. Now when you're looking at John chapter 1, you're going to find a a word, and I hate to be redundant, a word here used commonly, and the word is word. The word that he uses here to describe God is word. Now, there's a lot of words that you could use to describe Jesus. Jesus has 117 different names applied to him in the New Testament alone. And so you just think about that. There are 117 different names applied to Jesus, trying to give description to Jesus. Jesus' is water, Jesus' is bread, Jesus' is light, Jesus' is all these different things. But when he comes to John chapter 1, John, the apostle, one of the closest apostles of Jesus, really wants to come down and really wants to give you an image of who Jesus is. And he says he is the Word. He identifies him as the Word. Now, when I think of Word, I think of something that is spoken, something that is written. But that's not what he really emphasizes throughout the book of John. He emphasized him not as a word or not not as something that is written or something that is spoken, but he calls him the living word. 
He calls in the living word so that we can understand he is the expression. If I write something down or if I speak something out, I'm expressing something. I'm getting something off my chest. I'm letting you know my heart. I'm expressing myself. Well, what is Jesus? But Jesus is the expression of God. He is the Word of God. He is the living Word of God. And that's what we see in this passage of Scripture. So when you see the word, Word, just understand He's talking about Jesus. Alright, in John chapter 1, begin reading in verse 14, where it says this. He says, the Word, who's that? Say it. Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love that verse. John testified about Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after Me has a higher rank than I, for He existed before Me. Now notice this. John the Baptist, who was born before Jesus Christ, was pointing, he was a, John the Baptist was a prophet, he was pointing, he says, there's one coming, there's one coming who's greater than me. Because he's always existed. So John the Baptist, in the very first days, in the very first beginning of his own existence, he knew who Jesus was. He said in the speaking of verse 16, For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth. We'll come back and speak of grace and truth in a moment. Were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten of God who is born in the bosom of the Father. He, who's He? Jesus, has explained Him. Would you take a moment and pray with me? Father, I thank You for these moments that we have together and for this holiday season. And I know that even today there are family members in with family members who are here worshiping and celebrating this time of year. And I know it's been busy and crazy and catching planes and looking for hotel deals and, and packing and presents and tinsels and trees and turkeys and all the other things of Christmas and Lord, I thank You for those. They bring great memories to us. And I'm not in any way, in any, any way, Lord, condemning them. But I am praying that, Lord, today, some four days out from a day that we celebrate as Your birthday, I would pray that there would be a realignment. There would be a focusing. There would be some time set aside in this next few days where we would look at You and we would really begin to understand You. You are the Word. You are the expression of God. You explain God to us. And so God, if we know Jesus, we know You. And if we know God, we will really know Jesus. So Lord, I would pray today that this would be a a dawning of a new day for some in this room. That they would know You and get to know You, and fall in love with You. And I would pray for others, it would be a rekindling of a relationship grown cold, maybe. Lord, because You are the expression of God. And so if we can understand You as the Word, 
if we could begin to wrap our, our lives around that, what does that mean to us this season? Lord, we thank You. We bless You in Jesus' name. Amen. This whole idea of Jesus being the Word is not something that just dies here in John chapter 1. It's actually something that carries all the way through to the very last book that was written. It was written of, 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 by John again, the, the, the apostle on the Isle of Patmos, and he's writing this letter to, and he's writing, excuse me, he's writing this prophetic account in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 19, when he's really talking about the end of it all. 19 verse 13 says, And he was clothed and robed, dipped with blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So you see from John, you see to John's revelation. You see it all the way through the New Testament that Jesus is the expression. He is the, the Word of God. So who is this Word? Who is this packaged up gift that we, that we look at and admire and coo and awe over when it comes Christmas time? How is this gift that we get at, Christ, at Christmas uh, so valuable? And I think there are three gifts that we see, and you can jot them down real quickly, that we see in the Christ of Christmas. One is we see the intimate gift of God. We see an intimate gift of God. John chapter 1 verse 14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love that phrase. When you really begin to unpack that phrase and understand who Jesus was, and Jesus was a man who was, who was, who was a child who was born, and he put on, he was God put on flesh, and He dwelt in, among us, and he, he lived among us, and he, he, he walked among us, and he had, he had tan hands and calloused hands and dusty feet, and He lived just like us. He wanted to be close to us. He wanted a relationship with us that was beautiful, that was endearing, that would draw us in. And He lived like this. And He was a carpenter. He was strong. He was simple. But He had a motivation of love that was deep inside His heart that drove Him, that called Him out. A little poem says it like this, Light looked down and saw darkness. There will I go, said Light. Life looked down and saw death. There will I go, said life. Love looked down and saw despair. There will I go, said love. So came light and shone truth. And so came life and conquered death. And so came love and gave hope. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I think what we have to really understand in this Christmas season is that we're not just talking about a good model in Jesus. We're not just talking about a good moral teacher. We're talking about God wanting to intimately live in relationship with us. He wasn't created, it wasn't some early church theory or scandal that created him as the Da Vinci Code pointed out or tried to make out him to be created by the early church to be the Messiah. He was God. He was recognized as God. Even in the early church, he is he is recognized in the first century as being, as being God. In fact, here's a verse for you. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, And He was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the Spirit. That's at His baptism. The Spirit even recognized Jesus as God. Seen by angels at His resurrection. is when that happened. Uh, proclaimed among the nations. Believed in the world. Taken up into glory. Jesus is God. And He came to live with us. 
and to be with us. No, He's not in this time and day living with us, but He came and He lived among mankind. He dwelt among us. And that word dwelt is a very important word. It's actually a transliteration of a Hebrew word, Shekinah, and it means to actually live among, to be among, to live among, to be with us. I love the way the message paraphrases it. It says, He moved in our neighborhood. When God came to earth, when Jesus came to earth, He moved into our neighborhood. You realize this, that God would have no problem, Jesus would have no problem living next to a crack house. Jesus would have no problem living next to a pimp or a prostitute. He came and He pitched His tent. Another translation puts it. He dwelt, He moved into our neighborhood so that He might be with us. That is an intimate God. Now again, some religions paint God as some far off distant God ready to strike you down with lightning bolts. But we have a picture of a God who literally wants to come and live with us in our very neighborhood, in our homes, in our lives, in our marriages, in the raising of our children. George W. Truett said it like this, Christ was born in the first century, yet He belongs to all centuries. He was born a Jew, yet He belongs to all races. He was born in Bethlehem, yet He belongs to all countries. There were some first graders that were trying to put together a Christmas uh, uh, presentation of the nativity scene. But they wanted to use their own creativity, so the, the, uh, the teacher in the Sunday school left them. They were going to do it as a small country church, and so they were going to arrange it and... Uh, and put this, this presentation together. They were going to do it a little bit differently. Now they had all the same characters. They had Joseph and they had the sheep and they had all of uh, the shepherds and the wise men coming and all that. But they wanted to do it a little bit different. There was, no, there was no Mary. Mary was back behind some stacks of bells of hay and she was groaning and moaning as if she was giving birth. Now these are the kids putting this on. And all of a sudden, out of the back, behind the bells of hay pops up a little kid's head and he says, Congratulations, Joseph, you have a God. (laughs) Instead of you have a boy, you have a girl, you have a God. And see, the beauty of that story is, is that's true. What we had really born with flesh and skin and bones is we have a God who really, really wants to be intimately integrated, interfacing, whatever words you want to put in there with your life. Is Jesus a far-off, distant holiday relationship? You know, you call them poinsettia or Easter lilies. Christians, they come in at Christmas and they come in at Easter. And that's about the time that they're there. Is He a far-off, distant God to you that you see Him as some cosmic killjoy trying to strike down any semblance of joy and happiness and pursuit thereof in your life? You're missing it. I can just tell you today that Jesus, the Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among you. He wants to be in you. He wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you. There's an intimate gift in God. That's what we get at Christmas. There's also, there's also another gift that we get at Christmas, and it's the imminent gift of God. All right? It's the imminent gift of God. Now, there's a whole lot of different words that I could throw out here, but imminent is a very important word to understand. When you come to understanding God, God is transcendent. He is, he is above all. He is way out there. He is the God of many of the hymns of old 
are, are, are written around this. God of earth and outer space. A mighty fortress is our God. This bigness and vastness of God is, is definitely one of the elements of understanding who God is. That He is, he is transcendent. And the hymns emphasize many times that very element of God. But many times we'll sing choruses on, on, on Sundays and these choruses will emphasize the eminence of God. The eminence of God would emphasize that God is not just merely big and huge and all of this way out there kind of God able to create the world with a breath, able to sustain the world with His breath, but He's also eminent. He's also here. He's also right involved in our lives. And when we come to, the, when we come to this time, I hope that more than we see a moral teacher and a good man, I hope that what we see at Christmas is we see God. We see His glory. We see His awesomeness. We see His endlessness. We see His greatness come to us. He said in, again in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. The glory of God. Now, I can't explain this. This is way past my mind. But some of you who know Christ and know Him on an intimate level and see the life-changing elements of your life and you see God's hand in your life and man, you just say, God, you are all over me. God, you're so blessing my life. God, you're, you're so working in this situation that looks hopeless. You're so healing in this situation that where, I, where I'm hurting. You're so much there in my life. Thank you, God. That's when we understand the eminence of God. That yes, He's big and He's vast. and There's no way we can contain Him and our words can express Him. It's also that He, he is there. He is intimately involved with us. He is eminently... I would hope that in this time you would, you would meditate on the humanity of Christ, that He came to live with us, but you would also meditate on the deity of Christ. Just take time in this Christmas season to just just think about God in your life. God in your life wanting to be deeply, graciously involved in your life. Verse 18 says it like this, No one has ever seen God at any time. The only begotten of God who is in the bosom of the Father... He has explained Him. I said this in my prayer earlier, and I really really mean it, and that is that if we're going to really understand God, we really need to understand who Jesus is. We really need to understand Him and experience Him and walk with Him. Because when you understand Jesus, you really understand God. Jesus explains God. He's not some God that you can't be in touch with. He's very much a God that you can be in touch with. Christmas is not about the Savior's infancy. It's about His deity, John MacArthur says again. Think about another story in kids at Christmas time. I can remember whenever I was a Christmas angel uh, in a Christmas pageant. That's not that funny. But I really was because I was the I was the devil of the angels, okay? But uh, I can remember I had this little hanger and made out into a halo. That's the only way I would ever have a halo would be that way. And so here, anyway, I'm making faces to the congregation. You get all kinds of great stories out of Christmas uh, 
Christmas presentations of, of, of Jesus. But there was this one time when uh, a little kids were doing their Christmas presentation of Jesus, and you got little Jesus in, the, in, his, in his manger. And, and uh, all of a sudden, a kid, there was a little light that was up in the manger that was shining down on the little baby Jesus. And there was a little kid over there who decided to play with the lights, and so he turned them off and on. So Jesus was there. He's not there. He's there. He's not there. He's there. He's not there. You know, you can't turn Jesus off. Jesus is God, He's God, He's God, He's God, He's God, He's God, and He's always going to be God. And I can't debate about it. I just have to rest my faith in it and give my life to it. I I would hope that this Christmas season, that you would take a few moments, you would take some time, and you would get to know the intimate God who put on flesh and dwelt among us. And you would understand His humanity. But you would also understand His deity and that you're not just seeing God, you're seeing the glory of an awesome God who comes to live with us. But there's one other element that I want you to see is the gift of Christmas, and that's the inspirational gift of Christmas. Because He tells us that He's full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Why don't you look at verse 14 with me again? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Now, I don't know about you, but I might be really good in one of those areas, but I may not be good in all those areas. Many times we're either too hard or too soft, too libertarian or too legalistic or too fundamentalist or too liberal or too open or too closed-minded. Or sometimes we, we, we miss that, that balance in there. But it says that God was full of grace and He was full of truth. Now when you understand that and you begin to unpack that, I want you to look at your life and I want, you, I want to encourage you. This is a challenge for 2009 in your life. I want you to find two, three, four, I don't know, five people that you can get with and that will speak truth to you. But they'll do it with grace. That, that, that will speak truth into your life and that will say, you know what, you're really good at holding the line. But you need to loosen up and show a little grace. Or you know what, you may be that grace giver. You're just like, oh, let's just give and forgive and let's just give, forget and go on and, and all that kind of stuff. You know what, you might need a little bit more truth in your life. I want to encourage you, get with, again, these, these people that will speak truth into your life in love, with grace, that will be able to say to you, you know what, you need more truth. You know what, you need more grace. What does grace give you? Grace will do this. Grace, you live with an indescribable forgiveness and love. When you have grace, there's indescribable forgiveness and love that comes out of you. You're able to look past and look over and forgive and move on. Rick Warren said in his Purpose Driven Life, fellowship is the place of grace where mistakes aren't rubbed in, but they're rubbed out. It's a good statement. Truth. Live by God's final standard. You know what? When I live in grace and I live in truth, I am living, I think, in the balance of the way that God would have me to live. I was even reading just yesterday in my own personal Bible study. I was reading it in the book of Hosea. And I came to this verse. Hosea is a prophet trying to get the people back on track. They're off track. And what does he do? He comes back and he brings them back to this, this, these virtues, these qualities that need to make up who we are. 
Grace and truth. Grace and truth. In Hosea 12.6, it says, You must return to your God. Maintain love and justice. Grace and truth. Maintain love and justice. Put your hope in God. If you don't know anything to give anybody this year, you don't know what else to give your mate, give them a life of grace and truth. And maybe you've been emphasizing a whole lot of truth and hardline, and this is the way it's going to be. Give them more grace this next year. Or maybe, 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 maybe you've been a little bit more gracious, and you need to kind of say, hey, this is our standard. This is the way we're going to go. We're not going to just deviate here. Lori and I returned just yesterday, last evening, from uh, celebrating her 40th birthday. And I told you her age. She's uh, so it's no secret now. But... Uh, she joined the 40 Club, like me. And um, so we went away and had a great time. We went to, to Cozumel, Mexico, and we did not have this kind of weather there. All right? This was a bit of a, bit of a wake-up call whenever we got back. But uh, anyway, so we, we had a great time. We, we dove. We, went, uh, we, just, we just had a great time. And, and you know what we did? We left the kids behind. That was the best part. No, no we missed them. <laughs> the kids were gone. The phones were turned off. The email was not checked. Text messaging was not on. We did not check Facebook. We did not do anything. We totally unplugged ourselves from this world for five days. And then we plugged in this on the way home and, and, and shifted back gears. And I told Lori on Monday when we were there, I said, you know what I'm looking forward to this week? She said, what? I said, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And see, the great thing is she had a 40th birthday, but I got to enjoy her 40th birthday gift. But uh, I want you to do this. I'm going to give you the permission. If, if I have any rights or any uh, possibilities of doing this, I'm going to give you the permission to unplug a little bit this week and just meditate on the eminence of God. His glory. He's working here. That's God here. And on the intimate relationship that He wants to have with you. And then I want you to just be inspired by His life so that when you, you look at His life, you'll see Jesus full of grace and full of truth. And you'll say, God, I want to walk like You. I want to live like You. I want to be like you. Explain God. I want to live like that. Full of grace and full of truth. Would you pray with me? I want the band to come up. and We're just going to sing through a song, a time of reflection, a time of, of asking God for time this week to enable us to reflect upon Him. So if you find any application in this message today, just as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, and the reason I'm asking you to do that is because I don't want the distractions of any moving around or anything going on or, you know, am I looking okay, Is whatever. I don't want that to be there. And I just want you to just for, for, for a few moments here, get a taste and reflect. 
on Jesus. He was the Word who became flesh and moved into your neighborhood, lives in your life, walks and talks with you. And you can behold His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. You can actually know Him as God. Do you know Him as God? Or is He a good teacher? Was He a moral example? How has He inspired and changed your life? Because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And He oozed, and He was filled to capacity, and He overflowed. His cup overflowed with two things. Grace, love, mercy, forgiveness, patience, kindness. But He also overflowed with truth, standards, right and wrong, a path to take, a road to go on, a life to live. He knew where He was going. Is that the Jesus you know? Lord, you're beautiful. We love you. And we thank you for just a glimpse, just a glimpse into seeing Jesus as he really is. Not meek and mild, lying in a manger, but Jesus, who is God. In Jesus' name we pray.